Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 99.0. And um, before Oof. we get into, yeah, yeah, we're almost to game 100. Uh, before we get into um, our, our game topic, uh, Matt and I were discussing um, not the details of, because he has not actually finished it, um, but we were detailing um, the show that he got me into that turned quickly turned into probably my favorite show of all time and the show that turned Ken into a giant fan of it as well. Um, Supernatural ended uh, this past past couple of weeks. I think it was two weeks ago. Um, and I said, quote, that's probably the best way to end that show that they could have because it was such a long running show. And Matt, uh, you said, uh, that quantum leap for the longest time was the worst ending you've ever seen to a TV show. Yeah. For, for me, for a long time, just because it's so abrupt, right? So many shows just never get that chance to craft an ending and tie up loose ends and mythology and all that. Uh, so for me, the way it just ends with, like, one individual scene tacked on in a bar where, you know, where he may or may not be speaking with God. And, you know, it's kind of a running question, I guess, through the series, but with with nothing tied up at all and it just ends i i always kind of held that up as is one of my least favorite endings to a show that i really really enjoyed throughout its run so in your opinion give me some other shows that had horrible endings that you can't stand well th- there's a situation i find interesting so <laughs> When a show maybe should end and they try to get extra seasons out of it and they radically change it. True. Uh, I'm thinking specific here, specifically about the X-Files, where it, uh, as much as I love the show, it did get bogged down in the middle a little bit. And then they tacked on, what, two seasons at the end where Mulder and Scully aren't even the stars in it anymore? Yeah. You know, se- separated from the, the recent reboots, but... That's just a weird thing to do. I mean, the X-Files is inherently Mulder and Scully, and then all of a sudden they're not the leads anymore. That's a that's a strange way to extend a show, I think. True. And they did uh, a little bit of a, a similar thing in, in Stargate SG-1 where they switched away from the system lords, and those are no longer the bad guys. Now you've got the Ori, and they come in for two seasons. And it, and it maybe similarly gets a little bit more of a comedic feel, I know, Supernatural had that a little bit as well. When you're when you're expanding the episode number so much, you know you get maybe a few more comedic episodes than you do early on. But yeah, Stargate and and X Files I thought were very strange ways to end the series. And you can almost debate which one's really the end. Is it when the main characters leave, or is it you know when they actually stop making episodes? It's true. I. Uh... Lost is often held up as uh, pretty <laughs> accept it. I won't even say love it or hate it, but accept it or hate it. Um, I I will fully tell you I thought the ending to Lost was fine. Yeah, I I, I did too, but I, I know it's I know it's generated a lot of controversy. Yeah, um, that last season I think confused a lot of people. Um, 
And there was a stigma because of that last season um, and a misconception, I believe. Yeah, but I think, um, I think I think that statement might apply to what Game of Thrones <laughs> <laughs> that that last season. I actually haven't finished that either. <laughs> Go ahead and just don't, just don't, <laughs> just don't. That was the, <laughs> you, you know, I I had for that's that's the epitome of the ending the Game of Thrones. I had forgotten about that show. Well, you know that, that's that's. Funny that you say it, and I, I don't know if you're softly referencing, but I, I've seen this comment twice in the last week or so that this is how bad the ending was. Is it it no longer is part of pop culture after being such a huge piece of it for a long, long time? As soon as it ended, it left such a sour taste. If if that's the reason, but all of a sudden you, you almost never hear references to Game of Thrones anymore. No. No. Only, only like say a year after, and it's it's gone. So, <laughs> there there can be no better evidence that you've done an ending wrong. I think. So, Game of Thrones was funny because uh, the zeitgeist was real. Um, it, you know, season one, season two, season three. Uh, season three was airing at the time, and I was like, okay, fine. I'll watch Game of Thrones. I never watched it. Didn't particularly care to watch it, but well, I um, I illegally downloaded the first two seasons. Just just go ahead and put it out there. And um, <laughs> I watched the first season. I said, okay, all right, it's okay. And I started season two and said. Wow, they're introducing a lot more characters this season. I can't keep up anymore. Uh, yep. I don't know if I care about this anymore. And so I stopped watching. That was my problem with the book as well. Actually, I, I remember being 100 pages into the first book and being like, I'm 100 pages in. There may be 100 characters. Uh, it's it's outrageous. How can anyone keep this straight? But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's it's definitely it, it throws you in there. So I didn't I didn't watch any of the rest of it. Um, and then I think the hype, the hype for the, the last season of Game of Thrones was kicking in and my wife wanted to watch it. She was like, Hey, you mind if I get HBO? You know, we were going to tack it onto our Hulu account so she could watch all of it. I was like, sure. I mean, it, it gave me a chance to watch Westworld, which was what I wanted to watch. So mm -hmm. now that we have HBO, I can watch Westworld. So she started Game of Thrones. I said, she's like, you want to watch it with me? I was like, ah, I've tried it before. It's not really my thing. You go right ahead. Just keep watching. I'll sit in for a couple episodes here and there kind of thing. And I did. You know, I, like I, I watched the first season with her. I said, I know what's going to happen here. I know what's going to happen here. I watched part of the second season. And then on and off, I would watch some episodes. Um, that first season's well-crafted, though. Like, you don't, I mean, that's a pretty big kind of twist ending without... Relying on your, I don't know, your typical twist. Yeah, and and that's that's what kind of got me about it. Um, but um, and and throughout the 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 rest of her viewing, I would sit in on like one or two episodes when I wasn't doing anything. You know, occasionally I would, I'd you know, I'd go play a video game and she'd be watching Game of Thrones. Um, so well, like in and out, like missing episodes in between. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, that's tough. But the. 
not the second to last. The uh, how many seasons were there? I can't even remember. Seven. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, so the I watched I I I started watching the fifth season with her, and I didn't start from the beginning. Um, I I started halfway through the fifth season. And I was like, okay, this is actually kind of interesting. And it, it was the, the last episode of that season was the one where they were running from the White Walkers and the, the White Walkers were chasing after them. And they were like stuck on this like little, this little iceberg trying to fight off the White Walkers and they narrowly escaped. And I said, okay, I'm kind of in on this. So we watched, we watched the second to last season. I said, I'm definitely in on this. I want to see where this goes. And so uh, we were still subscribed to HBO, and we were going to watch it. So on Hulu uh, with HBO, you can watch live TV as it's airing. And so it, it became like a, a Sunday night tradition. We would sit down uh, and watch Game of Thrones together the last season. And the final episode just so happened to be on our one year anniversary. <laughs> and I said, okay, we're, this is, we're, we're all in. I was already a little skeptical. Some things happened in midway through the last season. And I was like, Oh, what are they doing here? I don't, are they going to bring that guy back? Uh, and I was like, okay. Uh, but, uh, we watched that last episode and I was like, that's 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 the biggest wet fart I've ever seen in my life, and it was it was a joke, and we haven't really thought about it since. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for somebody like, she, you know, I remember Laura. She said that um, she's like I binged this entire freaking thing in like a month, and this is how they ended. I was like, imagine how people felt. If they been if they watched it religiously for seven years, yeah. The, the the only silver lining here is I do hope that if we ever get the end of the series in book form, that it doesn't fizzle out similarly. Because you know, as you mentioned on it, maybe starting strong. Uh, I really liked books one and three, two, four, and five are okay. And only would be good in hindsight if it builds to a, a proper ending. So the ending has to be better than the TV show to warrant these epic tomes of books, I think. Right. Uh, phew, man. For me, as far as endings go, what had a really bad ending? Uh, I, 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 I'll say this. But it, it got crappy, like the last like three seasons got crappy, and it just ended. And I was like, of course it ended like that. Uh, Dexter. Yep. Dexter's first season was fantastic. Dexter's second season was really good. Dexter's third season was god-awful. Dexter's fourth season was fucking amazing. Five, six, and seven... <laughs> And then it just ended, and I was like, "Yep, <laughs> yep, this this is wow, this is." They are rebooting that, yeah. They the, the apparently they're coming back. 
maybe they get that second chance to set things right. I don't want them to. They don't well, need to explore. Wrong. They don't need to explore uh, desperately, darkly Dexter or whatever the name of the books were. <laughs> like I'm just like, eh. That 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 one was pretty bad. Laura wanted to watch all of that. She watched all of that, and she at the end of that season, at the end of the show, she was just like, "I hate Dexter. I I, I hate it." And she was saying it throughout while watching it. And I was like, "Then why are you watching?" She's like, "Cause I want to see it. I want to see it finish." And I told her, "I was like, you're gonna be disappointed." And sure enough, like she can't stand the character Dexter. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So it's interesting if you have a main character that's interesting but unlikable, so you want to watch him, or just unlikable, and you're not sure why you're why you're watching it. Um, a show that was great and then got insanely ridiculous, Prison Break. For the yeah, first that, two that's... seasons of Prison Break were quality TV. Yeah, that's an interesting one for me because season one, I, I, I was in. I was hooked. I absolutely loved that show. You know, maybe it was reminding me a little bit of Shawshank, but regardless, it was amazing. Just, you know, just the idea. I want to see these guys break out. And I was like, how can it be more than one season, though? Yeah, it's a prison break. Yeah, they broke. You prison broke out broke. of prison. But so so I, I was hesitant going into season two. And really surprised how much I liked it. Yeah. Season two did good. Season two was them on the run. Okay. Yep. Sure. Season three, they go but back to prison. I, I fizzled <laughs> fast. As much as I had loved one and two, I only made it probably two or three episodes into season three. And I was like, I, I, I don't know. I think this is over. <laughs> it may not consider itself over, but I, I may just consider this a two-season show and be done with it. Yeah. Which is unfortunately, you know... Maybe maybe less appropriately, but I did the same thing with Heroes. I was in on season one. I really liked it. The, the last episode of season one, I was like, I can't believe what just happened. I think I'm done with this. I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> yeah, I watched all of season one and was and was really geared up for that. And then season two was like, Wow, you guys are focusing on the wrong things here. And yeah, and I'll be I'll be the one to admit it. I I I I got into Battlestar Galactica, but the longer that show went on, the more I said I don't like this show. That's funny. I was going to bring that up later as we're talking about Dead Space. Yeah, but I uh, I don't. I the first two seasons of Battlestar Galactica, and I would say probably the part of the third season was good. But when they started introducing more Cylons and the randomness of these people, I was like, these writers are pulling stuff out of their ass. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it throughout, but it, it definitely hits fewer highs later on and more lows, right? Like the the one... The one single episode that always kills me is when all of a sudden Apollo has this mistress. I don't remember if he, if he had a baby with her, but he definitely had some random lady that he would he would sneak off and and be with randomly, and then come back. I think maybe while he was with 
Starbuck, I, I don't exactly remember the details. I just remember thinking that this doesn't make any sense with the character, with any of the other episodes. Where did this come from? What yeah. a what a shot out of left field here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, uh, woo, man, that one. And then I saw the, the final episode. I saw that coming a mile away. Yep. I mean, so the one, could. the one thing that's real controversial for me about that show is the change when they're on, what was it? Cylon controlled New Caprica, right? When they, where they basically, they're on the planet right. and all of a sudden they're, li- they're living in, I guess not post apocalyptic really world almost. Yeah. Controlled by Cylons. I, the whole time I was watching that, and still to this day, I can't decide if that was a bold change of pace for the show or if it was just a weird detour away from what made the show good. I feel like it was a weird detour because it made, it made sense in a grand scheme, but then I was like, why are we here? Why? Like, really? Like, at that point, I was just like, they should have ended this show last season. They could easily, this feels like stretched. This is filler. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I still don't know. Just because it's it's so different, it's such a turning the show on its head, and I find that fascinating. Whether I find it good or not, I don't know. But it, it, it's, it just it strikes me as a very bold choice, and I, I just I still don't know if I think it paid off or not. Yeah, I, I may need to. I, I I've started this show many many dozens of times. I don't generally make it past the second season. More just because I'm like, oh yeah, I I remember why I like this. I, I've had I've had my fill. Thanks, I've got my my happiness back. But um, so I will pose the question to our listeners: What are some of your favorite TV show endings? What are some of the worst TV show endings in your eyes? Because I think that's a great topic for discussion. Obviously, we're doing Dead Space three. Uh, and uh, we, we're going to be talking about it. But uh, we started talking about that, and I was like, you know what? I need to record this. I want to record this and, and ask the question. It's a half an intermission. Yeah. You give it, well, to be honest with you, because what are we going to talk about, Matt? That is the question I pose to you. Because I feel like we have played about four and a half hours of this game, and nothing, and I mean nothing has happened in this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I, th- I think that's, that's one of my main takeaways so far in this game. If, if we're moving into it, but I, um, I, I'm really hoping that they make some decisions in this game to elevate things because it's a bit of a dichotomy for me. I really like a lot of parts of this game and I really dislike a lot of parts of this game. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's just get the, uh, the, the intros out of the way here. Um, so for episode number 99, um, and for game 99, we are playing dead space three. Now we did dead space two, two years ago. Yeah, timing got a little wonky as our as our Halloween episodes drifted a little bit. But yeah, our Halloween has quickly become to a nightmare before Christmas. Um, so uh, that we're doing another a nightmare before Christmas uh, series uh, with Dead Space Three. We played Dead Space Two. I want to say about two years ago during Christmas time, 
It was something that both Matt and I had never finished before, and we always wanted to go back to and finish. Well, we did, and I said, you know what? I really like Dead Space 2. Dead Space 2 is a great game. Let's do Dead Space 3. Fun fact, Dead Space 3 can be played co-op together. And so we were like, that sounds like a great idea. Why don't we play Dead Space 3 together? As soon as we find a minute. (laughs) Yeah, as soon as we find a minute. Two years later, we find a minute. So, <laughs> um, finally, we work around it to where we are playing co-op Dead Space 3. Um, so, let, let me get the, the game intro out of the way here. Uh, developed by Visceral Games, published by Electronic Arts, uh, released February 5th of 2013 for the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and PC. Um... There was some controversy with this game when it released. Um, there is some very aggressive microtransactions here uh, in the form of purchasing uh, crafting materials, which plays a big part in this game, as well as you can even purchase, from what I understand, you can purchase health and ammo packs. I'm not sure why you would ever do that in this game. <laughs> well, keep in mind, Matt, we are both playing on normal. Yeah. So I feel like if we were to play on a harder difficulty, it would feel more survival horror-ish. I yeah, could be wrong. Yeah, and if you play solo, it would feel a lot more survival horror-ish. I would say so, too, because it definitely feels like... There are some instances in this game where I was like, if I didn't have you with me, then I would not be able to to do it. Um, th- the only thing I can think of is if they really tone up the AI of your partner. Because I don't think if you play this game solo that Isaac is by himself. I still think he has the AI Carver walking around with him. Oh, really? Because I I would have definitely thought Carver wasn't around, but no, I'm pretty I sure he's to... he's there no matter what. Okay, I think I don't know. I've never played this game solo, so somebody can correct me if I am wrong. But I'm pretty sure Carver is always there because he is still part of the story. You know, he he does show up in some cutscenes and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I would assume he's always there, and it's just controlled by an AI, much like Resident Evil Five was. Yeah, because I th- I thought I read there's actually a lot of like some of that is is unique to the co-op experience, like showing up in the cutscenes. Carver actually sees some things in the game that are different from what Isaac would see. So I've heard that too. I heard that recently, cool. and I that that would be cool if I ever saw any of it because well, I'm playing as Carver in our game, and Matt is playing as Isaac Clark, and. I haven't seen anything, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I've read a little bit later on, which is one thing I'm I'm hanging a little bit of hope on, that will tie to Carver's backstory a little bit. So I would hope so. That's kind of Carver unique, which would be interesting then, because if it's not in, or if Carver's not in the single-player version, you'd miss all of that, which... Which would take what little bit of character there is in this game out of it. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to know how they would handle that. So, 
history with Dead Space 3. Um, me personally, obviously I knew that it was happening. Uh, in 2013, I was working for ZTGD. We talked about it on the show. Um, I never played it. I did play the demo, and I remember playing the demo with Ken um, a long time ago. Uh, but um, I remember thinking, ah, it feels like Dead Space, but with another person there. And that was pretty much where I left it. I never actually played the game. Uh, I know I got it for free on PlayStation Plus. It has been on my hard drive for, I would say, probably about five years. I've got about five games that I downloaded maybe five years ago. I've been like, all right, these are the next five games I'm going to play, and I haven't haven't played any of them. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but uh, the, the only other thing I remember from my past history with it was I remember the trailer for it. Because it had a strange version of In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins in it. Mm. And I was like, okay. That's actually a pretty good rendition of In the Air Tonight. And that was it. (laughs) What about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it was a game I kind of purposefully avoided when it came out. Because, uh, you know, I tend to get stuck a little bit in I'm not going to touch or think about Dead Space 3 until I beat Dead Space 2, right? And I I got stuck so hard in Dead Space 2 that there wasn't anything I was going to do beyond that. Happy that it came out. You know, I liked 1, I liked 2, you know, definitely 3 was going to be a must-play at some point, but only if I could get past Dead Space 2, uh, which I obviously didn't do until we played it for, for Phoenix Down. Um, and then when we did finish Dead Space 2, the only other real experience I have is I jumped like the next day into Dead Space 3. I'm like, well, I'm just going to spoot it up and see what happens. I played about a half an hour of it and, uh, you know, was not much you can really tell out of the first 30 minutes other than that, hey, this works and it looks good and it plays good and, uh, let's get to it. I'm, I'm ready. You know, and then, then nothing happened for a while. Uh, I have... Since read, you know, in preparation for Dead Space 3, I did read the prequel graphic novel Dead Space Liberation, which is interesting in that it provides the backstory of Carver. So while, you know, we're all familiar with Isaac Clarke from the previous games, this particular batch of backstory at least gives you some reason to care about Carver. Uh, and, and the art's pretty, pretty great in it. Aside from that, it's a little jump jumps around a little bit, but the uh, you know it's it's a decent prequel. Gotcha. Some bad things happen to his family, and he goes out on a quest, and they don't have any option. So it's a direct prequel. Like it happens right le- right leading up to the game, I believe. Interesting. And and basically, they they need somebody to decode the marker language. The person they have that can do that doesn't make it. And then they say, well, there's one other person who can do this for us. That's Isaac Clark. Let's go get him. Yep. And that's basically where we pick up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But prior to that, uh, we do a, a thing that happened in the past. In fact, 200 years in the past. It shows these two guys getting some type of data. Or like a... 
let's see here. I got the I got the wiki up here. The game opens in twenty three fourteen on Tau Volanus. And yep, ice which cover, is big both in the in the graphic novel and I think later in the game. An ice covered planet with an irregularly shaped moon where sovereign colony armed forces or SCAF uh, Tim Kaufman and Sam Ackerman are attempting to retrieve a mysterious object called the Codex for Dr. Earl Serrano. After fleeing Necromorse and finding the Codex, Ackerman dies in an avalanche, forcing Kaufman to report alone to his commanding officer, General Mahad. Mahad, being the only other survivor, executes Kaufman, purges the Codex, and then commits suicide. And then 200 years later, Isaac Clarke is sitting in an apartment by himself, seemingly drunk or getting drunk in a PTSD stupor. And that's when Carver and his boss kick in the door. (laughs) And they're like, hey, you're coming with us. (laughs) And not a lot of choice here. Yep. And uh, they said, "Yep, we got, we got information saying that uh, you know all about this whole uh, alien technology, how it works, how the necromorphs come to be, and uh, we need you to help us. I guess interpret the language. I interpret the language because there's somebody else is building them. Yeah. Well, so." It's a little bit vague in the prequel, but but what happens is that Carver's wife was working on a project, you know, to, to better understand one of the markers. It seems like nobody can ever understand, and they're always working on it. But they they decipher some kind of master signal that that controls all the other signals, and they end up they end up tracing it back like through space to find out where the signal's originating. And so they think this Tal Volantis is the origin site of all the markers. So that, that's why it, it's important. And so they're basically, they're like, we need to go there. We need to stop markers and the necromorphs, you know, for good. This is, we're going to the whole world and we're going to shut it down at the source. That's that's kind of the impetus. Yeah, I would assume that after the events of, of Dead Space 2, Marker started showing up all over the place. Yeah, and yeah, there's, there's kind of there's kind of, of like a a necromorph apocalypse going on right now. Yep, in certain parts of the galaxy, I guess. So they they recruit, quote unquote, recruit, kidnap Isaac, and say you're coming with us. You're going to help us figure out what's going on on this planet. We think this is the source of the markers and the source of the necromorphs, and we can end this. So Isaac reluctantly goes with them, uh, and this is the beginning, which is not only are necromorphs attacking us, but also humans are attacking us. Yeah, I know we've got kind of like the the separatists, unitologists, right? The guys who are, like, worshipping them? Yeah, I think they're trying to stop us. They always are. Yep. So we have to fight some of those guys. 
um, what we're eventually trying to make it to is a ship to get us off of wherever we are. Um, and in doing so, we then team back up with this whole ragtag group, uh, including uh, Isaac's previous love interest, who is now the love interest of the commanding officer. Right? Ellie? Ellie? Ellie Le- yeah, who worked For- with Carver's ex-wife on researching that the marker. Okay. Man, these people for, <laughs> connected. For a large galaxy, you know, spanning universe, there is a small world, huh? It's very small world here. <laughs> it's a small galaxy after all, apparently. Uh and so Ellie is uh helping out and she was basically the one who kind of pointed everybody to Isaac saying, Hey, me and Isaac work together and Isaac had to create a marker in order to escape from dead space too. So he knows a lot about him. So, and they've been like mining his mind, I think between two and three trying to unlock marker understanding or interpretation. So I don't know what they've been doing to him exactly, but I know he's been in hiding from what EarthGov. Earth I feel like there's a really interesting world that I want. I want a slower exploration of the world of Dead Space. Like th- this game in particular is such an action-focused game. There isn't a whole lot of like mythology in the game itself, so far at least. Right? I think two for me hit the best peak on this. You get a lot more understanding of the of the worshiping, and I, I guess do we just rely on that for our understanding of what's happening in in the world in the universe in Dead Space Three? I guess. I just feel like this this game is at breakneck speeds, both in its action and in its story. Yeah, we even commented on that when you're playing. It's like it's crisis to crisis, explosion to narrow escape to explosion. Yeah. Fix this. Okay. In fixing this, we broke this. Now go fix this. All right. Now this is about to happen, so you better hurry and get over here. Oh, and while you're at it, fix this too. Yep, and this is where this is where it reminded me a lot of the early seasons of Battlestar Galactica, right? Where it, you're just moving from crisis to crisis. The air's out, the water's out, the food's out, whatever it happens to be. The yeah. prisoners are out. But, and, and and I guess we'll we'll see where this game goes. But for better or worse, as, as you know, as we mentioned, talking about TV shows, Battlestar Galactica makes some bigger changes later on. Right, they they do that crisis to crisis thing for a while, but they change it up. You know that's unsustainable. And also, I would say that even while that was happening, you had really good character interactions. Right, the the Adamas, uh, you know that you know the estrangement of the sun, you know the 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 triangle you've got with Starbuck and and the resentment that they all hold against each other. That's deep 
powerful character-driven stuff that is absolutely absent from this game. You know, Ty trying to overcome his drinking problems, and is he a good man? Is he good enough to overcome that? Is you know, is his history and his capability as as the is the XO? You know, what what part of him wins out? Like those are th- those are really good character struggles. None of that is in this game, and it's not that this game doesn't do it as well as as other narratives. It's that it doesn't even attempt it at all, which is, you know, it's just where it is, I guess. Yeah. So um, they have basically triangulated where we're going to be headed, which is that snowy planet uh, where they believe is probably where the the marker signal is coming from. Uh, But when we get there, uh, the entire place, the entire planet is surrounded by like a ship graveyard where a lot of bad stuff had happened, obviously. Uh, and all these ships are, are derelicts, like old ships from 200 years ago. So it's got like ancient technology on it, according to them. Um, Which but, is always good. I like a good derelict. So if you've got a whole a whole field of them, yeah, it's great. On Who knows top, what's lurking? <laughs> on top of all that, uh, there is also uh, defense mechanisms being put into place around this planet seemingly to keep people from coming to it. So our ship starts to get destroyed by a bunch of space mines. And so we are having to quickly regroup. uh, And uh, I believe we regroup on one of the derelict ships. I can't... Roanoke? Is it the Roanoke the one that we think so okay um and of course the roanoke is still covered with necromorphs yeah um, that's the one that ellie was on what do you mean i thought the roanoke Uh, was the old the old uh busted ship that we have to fix to get running Right? Yeah. I think the rest of the crew stays on the Roanoke while Carver and Isaac go off to repair it. Basically. Yeah. And so we have to go and get parts from these other ships that are floating around. Like the the Grease? Is that what it's called? Greeley. Greeley. The Greeley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, th- this is where the majority of the game, our game so far, has take, took place, is going in between these ships to get parts. Go here, get this, bring it back. Go here, get this. Oh, well, that screwed up. Let's go and get this now. I feel like it's just go here, get this. Yeah, so far. And there's, there's, they all like, so we got to go get an engine, and we got to fuel the engine, and then we got to do this, and then we got to do that. Um, and then there's also side missions. So we, when we first are able to go in between ships, which is basically us getting into a, a little like, I don't know. 
smaller ship, like a, like a little transport ship. Yeah, like a shuttle. Yeah, like a shuttle. And we can go in between the different ships. Um, uh, you get like side missions like, oh, stop by here and you can probably find some scrap that we can use. So we did one of those. We went to the, the USS Greeley and did whatever we needed to there. We leave, go do another you know, mission, story mission, and then the next story mission tells us to go back to the Greeley. I'm like, great. Well, at least we know everything there is to know about yeah. the Greeley. We know where it is, for sure. Um, which I do have to say, and there, the thing that Dead Space has always done well is the atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, while I will be the first to say Dead Space 3 is not a horror game, it is not scary at all. It is an action game at heart. Um, I feel like getting into the shuttle and very quietly flying to a, another ship or, you know, the, while you're out in space and floating around, everything is dead silence. It, it it does that so well. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely has good atmosphere. I, I do think it peaked in two so far for me. Yeah. Right, when when you've got the scrawl. Like, it, it does a decent job of having the environment tell some of the story. Right, the way you've got things scrawled on the walls. I mean, that that's not really new anymore, but, you know, I think it does that well where there's sayings and... and figures and drawings and stuff all on the walls and you just wonder who put it there and you know what kind of mental state were they in when they put it there uh where where this game doesn't have a lot of story it does it does have that atmosphere still for sure uh both you know kind of within you know the interiors feel lived in uh you know in the exteriors with all the debris and the planets in the background and, you know, taking the shuttle between, between ships and locations, all that, all that feels really good. It feels, you know, basically as, as good as you could want it to, you know, I can, I feel like I'm there. Right. And I, I do love that everything is done through the end game. And they've always done that in the dead space games where you're going through your menus. You're never actually safe. Um, but there's some major changes to Dead Space 3, um, from Dead Space 1 and 2. Now, not every weapon uses the exact same ammo, so you just get ammo clips now. While in Dead Space 1 and 2, each weapon had its own style of ammo. Um... And now the big thing is, and I feel like they tried to take something from maybe like Dead Rising or something like that, where you can create your own weapons. So Yeah, or some kind of crafting, yeah, some kind of development path, right? You know, enhancement path. Yeah. Tree. So not only can you upgrade your equipment, but you can also craft weapons. Um, and the... It's pretty extensive. In fact, for the probably the first couple of hours, I was still confused on what the heck I was doing. 
And I still don't think I fully grasp what I'm doing. Um, so you can craft weapons. You can put, uh, like a, a, you know, your standard weapon and then a sub weapon attached to the bottom of it. Um, and you can do like better reload speed, better attack power, um, faster re, it, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's there and I feel like, I feel like it was a, I feel, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I feel like it was a ploy to sell you microtransactions. Yeah, it, it does feel that way a little bit. Um, you know, I, I like it in concept, right? I love, especially if you're going to skew this a bit more towards the action side, give me some of that flexibility. It's not necessarily, I would say, re- replay value inducing, but it is kind of choose your own path through. Uh, and I and I also think it's better, almost better suited to the co-op play, because I, I kind of like where you had, for example, the, sh- the shotgun. And so I'm like, all right, you, you're going to move up into the side, so you're going to get this angle with your shotgun. When he gets close to you, you're going to blast him. But then when he hits the ground, I'm going to kind of snipe because I've got my, you know, I, I've got my my zoom on my planet cracker, and I can, you know, I can position myself in a way to complement your style, cover your angles, you know, pick off the guys that you've knocked back, and and I, I like that you can you can kind of pick your pick your approach. Yeah. Right, like there's, there's even a melee swing if you want to be knocking people back with like a laser sword, you can do that, which is cool. I, I haven't done much of it yet, but you know, I, I imagine that if they continue to introduce new enemies and new types, that the ability to customize your weapons for the encounters that you're having on a particular level or section, that's that's pretty cool because it's. You know, you almost make the game harder for yourself if you don't take advantage or try to exploit that, and you can kind of tailor it again either to your preferred play style or whatever the game happens to throw at us next. The, the here's the issue with that though is that so far, and I think it's always going to be this way. And you mentioned it last night, I believe, when we were playing it, is that. There is no reason to have a gun that is better at long range or mid range because every single monster in this game just rushes at you. Yeah, yeah, so far certainly. So it, why would just... you not carry a shotgun with you? Yep. Yeah, it it's certainly been well suited to the game. Absolutely. I mean, it's it, I feel like and they really want you to play around with the abilities. So you obviously from Dead Space One and Two, you have the stasis ability, which you can freeze something in place for a short while, or at least slow it down. You also have like the kinesis grab that you can grab things and throw at enemies. And the the dismemberment is also there, but I feel like it's not as as important as it was in Dead Space One and Two. Yeah, agreed. And if they're going to give you a shotgun, you know, they're clearly not emphasizing the precision dismemberment. 
not like in the previous games at yeah. all. Because... It, it is still better because I, I, you know, I've been using essentially the same game, same gun the whole game, and you know, I, I put my upgrades on it, but I, I still can clearly recognize a difference between, you know, five or six body shots to take it down versus three strategically placed shots. So, you know, when they're when they're moving real quick, you know, body shots will do the job. Will do the job. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but you know, there's a little bit of that still benefit that you gain from the precision but again with, with shotguns and you know so like melee weapons and stuff right that that's not precision no no that is something's running at me i'm going to shoot it with a shotgun it'll fall down and then i'll shoot it a second time with a shotgun and it's dead yep and that is totally fine by me because there's a lot of stuff that rushes you in this game so i'll be the first to admit there's sections of this game that make it feel like a cakewalk, and then there's sections of this game that are just like, this is like, by the skin of my teeth, we're surviving this, you know what I mean? Yep. And I actually would chalk that up as another thing I think this game does fairly well, is that pacing. Like, when you get those kind of kill rooms, you know, they're they're not back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. You usually, you're usually well-equipped when you get to one. You do have to survive it, but then, you know, then something happens and you're on to a bit of narrative or a bit of travel or, you know, back back to collecting more fallen bits. So I, I like that they kind of, it kind of ebbs and flows in that way. And what I like even more is when you walk into a room and before anything happens, you can be like, yeah, this, this is one of those rooms. Oh, this is a, this is a kill room. That's actually one of my favorite things about it. And, you know, where we are in the game now, right, there's... There's been a lot of uh, bombs attached to grates, so you can tell that you know when there's when there's a lot of grates in general, and that means that the necromorphs are going to be traveling through the the air vents. You know that's a sign. The bombs on the vents are a sign. You know when there when there's intricate ladder systems allowing you to get in between different levels. You know via a couple of different mechanisms. You can take the stairs or the ladder or the catwalk or whatever. All, all those things kind of point to, yeah, something's going to be chasing us around this room. And I, I I think that's kind of an interesting way that a game like this can can foreshadow things that you wouldn't necessarily get in a, in a book or a TV show. Yeah. Right, because it's specifically about the gameplay of that, that killer room. Now, now I feel like there ha- the, how, how would some of the stuff, like the puzzle solving and stuff like that, that required both of us to do something. How would that work in that with an AI controlled person? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's some parts that are, I don't know if they change it up completely or if it's just, you know, you just have the AI AI partner. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. But, um, there is one thing I have to mention. The checkpoints are, could be a little better. (laughs) Yeah. Also, when you select save and quit, I want to save where I'm standing. Yeah, it's also misleading when it... Save and quit does not mean save your game. No. And quit the game. It means saving your inventory. <laughs> and then quitting the game. Yeah, and then that's, quitting the game. That's uh, that's misleading. That's like false advertising. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, story bits, though... Matt, you got anything? Because 
Well, one more thing on the kill room. I really like that one that we had to replay a bunch, where there was the two kind of regenerating guys, and uh, we're waiting for the train. Yeah, we're waiting for the tram to get there. Yep. I mean, that's just that. That's exactly what I like about the kill rooms because you know, especially having played it a couple times, we know what's coming. We know where they're coming from. And also, again, enhanced a bit in co-op play because I love the fact that I can see one coming at you and I'm like, don't, don't, I'm going to stasis it. Like, I love that I can see the enemies coming at you, but sometimes when you can't even see them because they're coming up behind you. And I love that, you know, there's that, you know, I've got your back a little bit. You know, it's, it's not that big of a space, so we're not that far away from each other. Uh, the enemies are, in, in these instances, unkillable, so, you know, there's a constant threat. You're under time pressure. You're just trying to survive until the tram gets there. It's, you know, it's, it's a really nice, like, high energy five minutes of play. If it's even, yeah, but maybe less than five minutes. Yeah. So. Yeah, but story bits. The only story bit I can think of is, we seem to be talking to a guy who has locked himself up on the. Is it the Greeley? It's one of the ships that we're having to get parts from. And he has set up all these booby traps for us. Which obviously he set them up for the Necromorphs, but then it seems he's went crazy. Yep. After going through his little ship of booby traps, we make it to the, I guess, the cockpit of the ship. And we notice we've been talking to a AI recording the entire time, and the dude's been dead for years. Yep. Which is a nice little vignette, I guess. I, I wish it tied into the story a bit more. Yeah. Because the, the other the other thing I wanted to to compare it to, and you know, obviously could consider it a unfair comparison. But how immediately God of War makes you care about those characters and their plight, right? It's not just that you're about to burn the wife and mother of the of the two characters in the game, but you're you're out there getting the trees, cutting them down so that you can build the funeral pyre. You know, you're setting it alight, and you know, as we talked about a little bit previously, in that first, you know, you get such an immediate connection to the two characters. You get an immediate understanding of their struggle between the two of them. Neither one of them is particularly happy with the other, but they're thrust together. And you also get an immediate line of sight towards the goal of the game. We need to take these ashes to the mountaintop, and then we're going we're gonna to scatter them in the wind. That through line carries you throughout the whole game. And Dead Space does, again, none of those things. You don't really get a, a tight connection to Carver or Isaac. You don't get a sense of the goal, the overarching goal. We don't really get much of any of a drive, right? When, it, when you're going crisis to crisis... You're living in the moment, so I think Dead Space. What, what, where Dead Space lives well is at the chapter level, right? We're setting out to do this thing. At the end of the chapter, you've done that thing. Okay, that's that's clear. What what it's never really done well in my mind, especially the first game where I loved the game, but I I hated the structure of the game. It, is that really like tying the chapters together? You know, each chapter was great, but 
but the overall narrative just suffered for me. And, you know, all, all these things I, I feel like are more evident even in Dead Space 3 than they have been in the previous two games. And, uh, again, maybe that's just after playing God of War when all of those things were so well done and so well designed and so tightly interwoven to each other that the, the absolute lack of it is more glaring now maybe than it was before. Yeah. I You know... It, the, the, you're right, because the only thing I can think of as far as what we're doing in the story is trying to make it to this planet. Yeah, and now from from Liberation, I, I have a bit more context in the backstory, but why on earth that wasn't included is like some kind of preamble to the game. Does, I, I don't have any idea other than maybe to make you buy Liberation. Uh, and And that's where I'm hoping that some of the loss that Carver has suffered, uh, you know, in, in the, the mission that they've been on that started in Liberation. I'm hoping that he has issues with that and there's callbacks to that story. So at least it gets some context for him being here, but also providing, you know, a bit more of the reason for why they're looking for this master signal in the you know, the original marker and to, to put an end to everything from the source. Like, as long as that comes back in some strong fashion, that'll enhance liberation, sure. Whether it enhances the beginning of this game, I don't know, because it still feels very disjointed. But uh, but at least give me some kind of overall narrative to care about. It's the only the only thing I really need about this, because I... I I do like the gameplay. You know, the the game looks great. The game, I, I, I think, plays great. It controls great. The aiming is, is fine. It's good. You know, there's enough difference between the weapons. Uh, you know, I like the assembly of different weapons. I like the upgrades. I like that the upgrades feel like they matter. Right? I, you know, we've added... I've got a gun now where I went from zero upgrades to four, and I think three of my four upgrades are double upgrades. And that that thing packs a punch now that it definitely did not when it was built. So yeah. that I, I I I like all of that. Like that that give, makes me feel empowered as a gun manufacturer. You know, right? So all that stuff is great, but I just want a little bit more reason to care about these characters and reason to care about their mission. Yeah. Well, hopefully it it pops up a little bit later on because I still feel like we're relatively early on in this game. We just hit what chapter seven or eight? Yep, seven. Seven. Man. Do you know how many chapters are in this game? There are nineteen plus the prologue. Okay, so we're like a third of the way in. Gotcha. Okay. Well, cool. So we uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm sure we make it to the planet eventually. Yep. Well, right now we're still orbiting the planet, trying to get a ship to work. Um, we do get an email which I will read off. Uh, hopefully it will give us some context <laughs> for any of the story whatsoever. It goes in for Chad. It says, uh, Howdy guys. Dustin and I have been co-oping this game since last week on hard difficulty. Oh, uh, nice. And as of writing this email, we are a little over halfway. We've been taking some time to play through the side objectives as well. Frankly, my quest to try and play this game co-op is probably a little more exciting than the game itself. (laughs) 
We originally started to try and play this game last October. I thought I had, I thought I already had a version downloaded from PlayStation Plus, but apparently I didn't. I bought a copy off Amazon for about $15, but the co-op feature wouldn't work because of the EA online pass. Mm. It didn't make any sense uh, why I couldn't download it off the PS store. After spending some time looking online, I found someone had a similar problem. Uh, They said that they looked up the ISBN number on the spine of the game case and found out it was region-locked European version. I looked at mine, and sure enough, it was a European version, which is why I wasn't compatible with the U.S. PlayStation Store. I then downloaded a free trial of PlayStation Now, and although the co-op worked that way, the party chat was very garbled because of playing my version through PS Now on a PS4 and Dustin playing his version on PS3. I decided to suck it up and spend another $20 to download the game digitally for PlayStation 3. After that, everything worked like butter. Interestingly, I found out I already owned an Xbox 360 version of the game months later (laughs) that could have just been bought a month of Xbox Gold. Oh, well. Okay. Go ahead. Excuse me. Uh, The recording stopped for some odd reason. Uh, It's not Craig, so uh, it, it was my fault. I was reading the email, and I didn't say, continue recording, please. But anyway, um, uh, he says, anyway, the game is fine and all, uh, and it's fun, and blah, blah, blah. anyway, the game is fine, and it is fun to play co-op. On one hand, the story doesn't really matter. It's not scary, uh, and the control mapping throws me off every time I boot it up. I'm constantly using med packs on accident. On the other hand, it is a competent action game, and the co-op actually works pretty well. However, I haven't really seen much differenti- differentiation between the co-op from the single-player gameplay. Mm. Some of the puzzles now require a little bit of cooperation, but otherwise it doesn't make that much of a difference. The only time I've seen it get a little interesting is about halfway through the game, Dustin's character, I'm playing as Isaac, starts seeing a crying woman out in the frozen tundra. From my point of view, I neither saw or heard a thing. He said he can totally hear her crying in his headphones. I found that kind of interesting, and since we're only halfway, I hope we get to see more of that kind of thing. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not really following the story, and I don't have much interesting much interesting to say of the, about the game itself. Just enjoying the company and making fun of the bad dialogue and goofy accents. Every time I hear way I think uh every time I hear W H A Y I think it I think is a British guy saying marker. It makes me chuckle. It sounds like someone doing a really bad Boston accent. We gotta get to that wicked maca. <laughs> Oh, I just want Mark Wahlberg to like voice everything now. We'll probably be finishing the game up next week and jumping back on to our new system backlogs. Till next time, Chad. Yeah, that's uh, seems to echo. I think a lot of our feelings on it. I I would reiterate that that I, I'm actually surprised how smooth the co-op works. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you jitter or 
Well, I, I got stuck once, but uh, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> that was whenever we found out you could dodge roll, and then you dodge roll into <laughs> yeah. a door, and then was kind of floating there for a little while. Yeah, but as far as like my being able to see you and play with you, I've not, I've not had any issues. It, it it was you know as we've commented on, it's it's kind of funny the way on the PS3 to send you an invite to the co-op session. We need to it uses like the the PS3 default system messaging yeah. in order to to send that invite, which is really strange. It doesn't happen in game. Yeah, it's it's always been that way on PlayStation Three. PlayStation Three is a weird system. Yeah, but but once you're in and and there's not really been any lag, no no nothing. It's it's just worked really well. I I I would say that yes, I have noticed there is probably just a split second delay when shooting something because I I will shoot something and I know it hit, but for like. 0.5 seconds there it doesn't fall back mm. and I'm and then it'll finally fall back and I'm like oh okay cuz for for it's it's just long enough to make, for me to think did I miss that guy yeah and but it, it's you know it, it then he falls over I'm like okay and I've gotten used to it now cuz I mean like we said we've put probably put about 4 hours into this game and like I, my my brain's conditioned to be like yeah I shot him yep hold yep <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, I appreciate that email and I'm glad some people are playing along with us. Um, I just hope the story actually kicks in. Yeah. And I, and I could, I could buy the argument that it doesn't need a story, I guess, except that I really like the, the whole sci-fi horror aesthetic. I like I like the some of the mystery around the markers and and coming from liberation this master signal and you know why why exactly or or, or are we even able to stop these markers at the source I, I don't know the, the necromorphs have you know you're kind of unknowable Lovecraftian vibe a little bit so I mean in in and they just provide a fine backdrop for creeping around in dark corridors in the dead of space, right? Like it's, it's maybe a, a simple aesthetic in that sense, but it's, it's a backdrop that I enjoy. And again, it doesn't need it, but it, but it is, I mean, I know we're playing co-op, but it is kind of a single player narrative driven game. It doesn't have some of the luxuries of full multiplayer or, you know, intense replayability. I mean, it does have some crafting now, but you know that's that's not really part of the dead space ethos. So I, I I don't know. I just I want to see a little bit more to keep me invested in the dead space universe, or else you know I, I just feel like I'll I'll play it and it'll be fine, and I'll just never think about it again. I'll turn it into Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want something to stir the imagination a bit. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, if we're getting down to the nitty gritty, I can't tell you the story of Dead Space 1 or 2. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. but the, I, mean, I feel like it, it. Dead Space 1 and 2 is way more impactful because it is a single player experience. It is a horror experience. You remember the the sections of the game that scared you or you were really frantic 
and having a co-op partner there kind of ruins that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that's definitely the case because there's us talking to each other, there's the characters, there's... You, you don't get necessarily that moody music because what this game does really well is, like, the the lighting. Yeah. Right? Everything's a bit dark and spooky. And that, you know, that, that that's great from... You know, as we already mentioned, it's got good atmosphere, right? There... There's definitely bad things have happened here. Yeah. There's blood, you know, blood splatters everywhere. There's, again, maybe written in blood, but there's people's last hopes written on the walls. So there's plenty here from a a basic atmospheric perspective to creep a person out, or especially if you want to be in that mindset. But, but yeah, you do lose a lot of that in the the co-op play style. It's uh, it's Resident Evil Five all over again. Yeah, it does. It does really remind me of Resident Evil Five because of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, if if it does if it does enough at the end to give me like a new game plus and give me some perks, you know, I, I'd be interested in maybe trying separately as a as a single player game. I don't know that I would prefer that, but I wouldn't mind experiencing it. Yeah. So, but the, uh, but again, that that's somewhat also predicated on there being enough, you know, enough reason to replay it. Yeah, I'll try it again. Well, yeah, that's all I can think of. Yeah, I you know, so I, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Right, I I really want to see if they tie to liberation more. Because, you know, as I mentioned before we started recording, I, I, I do just generally enjoy the idea that they put out prequel stories, storylines, right? They've got one for Cyberpunk that I'm going to read before I start playing that game in the next day or two. Uh, I love the one that they did for the Star Trek reboot movie. Uh, so, you know, I, I have had experiences where reading that prequel really enhances the core narrative. I feel like Dead Space has that opportunity, right? Especially as we're, you know, from from Chad's email, where if if there are going to be things that are essentially Carver's psyche breaking apart, and that has to do with some of the things that happen in Liberation, that that enhances both ends of it for me. And that's, that's one of the things I'm really banking on or hoping to see in the rest of the game. But... You know, if if we are going to make it down to the surface, if we are going to see what's happening on on the planet, presumably we'll find something to do with the origin marker or the origins of the marker. And you know, that, I, I don't need a lot there. I just need a little bit to keep me strung along. So yeah, I mean, again, the gameplay, the graphics, the co-op, all, all that stuff is really great. I just want to see where whether they can complement that with a little bit better narrative and characterization yeah. in the rest of the game. Absolutely, I'm still having a fun time with it. Yeah, me too. I, I really like playing at co-op. It's yeah, really fun. But that's uh, that's going to be it for us. Um, if you'd like to send us an email, it's Drew at ZTGD.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at Drew Leachman, and Matt is at REMGS. The podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. But, uh, yeah, we're going to keep playing through uh, Dead Space 3. Um, 
next game, game 100, obviously will take place after the beginning of the year. Um, and Matt and I have pretty much confirmed. Uh, I know Chad tried to sway us, and he has he has swayed us in a sense because we are going to be doing Lost Odyssey next year sometime. But uh, our next game will be uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And I've got it ready. Fun fact, I'll just throw this out there. So I'm playing the 3DS version of this game. First, I had to find my 3DS because I haven't used it in years. Um, but I found it. And I found the charger for it. And I plugged in the charger... And it charged for about 20 seconds and then went off. And I said, what the crap? I turned on my 3DS and it was still fully charged. Seriously? How is that even possible? I have no idea. But I that... feel like I've never had a handheld anything that lost battery faster, faster than the 3DS. The three, This 3DS, it's I, I got it sitting right here in front of me. It's a fire red one. And I, maybe I just got lucky. That sucker held a full charge for at least two years. That uh, my, mine won't hold a full charge for two days. I mean, I, I I put it in a sleep mode. I don't turn it all the way off. But oh, you know, my, that, I turn mine all the way off. That it just kill. I've never had something drain that fast. I, I I if I leave it overnight, like I can't play two nights in a row. I feel like without recharging. Huh. I don't know. But that that blew me away, and I yeah, downloaded the 3DS version of Zelda. So I am ready to rock whenever we are done with Dead Space Three. Yep, I'm. I'm my only intent there is to boot up the N64 version, play that for half an hour, stop, and then play the 3DS version. You may make it to the Great Deku Tree. I don't know. In in 30 minutes? Or maybe, yeah. maybe I'll just put that as my goal. I'll make it to this tree. Oh, oh, make it to the dungeon inside the tree. And then flip to the 3DS version. There you go. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great week, and we will be back next week with the continuation of Dead Space 3.